0: From deep inside your audio device of choice. It's like he was thinking about it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is one of those magical days when the uh, the hum in my headphones is louder than the ringing in my ears. So it's all good. And now, we're not. Number one. You uh, You probably have heard about this already, but, you know, it's my job to make sure that even if you did, you hear it again. Denmark perhaps better known for its fictional suicide-agonizing Prince Hamlet and fierce-marauding Vikings and some dark television dramas, rather than being a nation of the happiest people, has, in fact, won that very latter accolade. Again, on Wednesday of this week, the United Nations, oh well, made it uh, official it found Danes to be the happiest people on Earth. Not the residents of Disneyland? How did that... Mickey? Mickey? In a study of 156 countries, there are few natural disasters, little corruption, and near absence of drastic events, says a 39-year-old social worker, Nude Christensen, interviewed by uh, the Associated Press. We have no worries. And if we do worry, it's about the weather, unquote. How about the eventual death of the sun? Is that Newt? Is that ever, ever? The Scandinavian nation of 5.6 million has held the happy title twice before since the world body started measuring happiness around the around the world in 2012. Until then, we were ignorant as to who was happy. The Dark Ages, the accolade is based on people's health and access to medical care. Oh, well, family relations, job security. Oh, well, and social factors, including political freedom and level of government corruption. Okay, I give up. The next happiest nations last year were Switzerland, Iceland, and Norway. You seeing a trend here in these uh, lists? The United States in the happiness thing, the happiness derby, you could say, was in 13th place. That's lucky number 13, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. We're not number one. The uh, information continues to pile in about the fate of the bees at our at our hands. Legal marijuana, says the Washington Post, may be doing at least one thing that a decades-long drug war couldn't do. No, this is not about the bees. <laughs> I figured that out a sentence in. No, exposure to, exposure to even small amounts of pesticides. We'll get to the marijuana story. Don't worry. Don't worry. Exposure to even small amounts of pesticides is preventing bumblebees from efficiently extracting pollen from their favorite wildflowers. That's according to a new study, raising concerns the chemicals are impairing the insect's ability to learn. Okay, at least they have an excuse. What's ours? Well, we're eating the the bees? This is from the Canadian press. Scientists warn that could affect the ability of the bees to pollinate both crops and wild plants, which can ultimately harm the food supply. The findings are contained in a study co-authored in Canada and the UK, "Glad you kids are getting along." Uh, it shows that bumblebees exposed to a realistic level of a neonicotinoid insecticide called thiamethoxam, thank you, collected more pollen, okay, but they took longer to do so than control bees. Give me those control bees, will you? The study published in Functional Ecology found that low exposure to the chemical can hinder the ability of bumblebees to develop the skills they need to to collect nectar and pollen. Well, maybe they can get all the nutrients they need from the insecticide. While several studies have been conducted on the effects of pesticides on the honeybee population, these findings are the first to explore how the chemicals may affect the ability of bumblebees to forage from wildflowers. The pesticides confuse the insects. I know the feeling, babe. Changing their foraging behavior and floral preferences and hindering the development of the skills needed to extract nectar and pollen. Bees rely on learning to locate flowers, track their profitability, and work out how best to efficiently extract nectar and pollen, said the lead researcher. Wow. They're the efficient market. If exposure to low levels of pesticide affects their ability to learn, bees may struggle to collect food and impair the essential pollination services they provide to both crops and wild plants. Unquote the lead author. If we could only give a dollar value to the services provided to us by nature, we might know how much we're losing. Several studies have shown that neonicotinoid pesticides can cause changes in the brains of honeybees in the areas associated with learning and memory. I said memory. More research, says the lead author of this study, is needed into the impact of all pesticides on bumblebees and other wild pollinators. The government of Ontario up there in Canada uh, put in restrictions on the use of neonics last year. That's a first in North America after beekeepers lost more than half their hives in 2013-2014. They are also illegal in Europe. But, But that's Europe. You know what I'm saying? Europe. Uh, we, can, we can do without food, right? Let's start. Hello, welcome to the show. That would be the wrong music. The right music is coming up right now.
1: I swear For perfume you wear We're made out Of turnip greens Every time I kiss you girl It tastes like Pork and beans Even though Walking through them cotton bees I got to get down and pray. Don't you know that dress of yours was made out of fiberglass. And every time you move like that, I got to go to sun. Watch the water roll on, down your velvet skin. I'm gonna take you back to New Orleans, down to Dixieland. I'm gonna watch you do the second line, with an umbrella in your
0: From New Orleans, Louisiana, right by the uh, the cranes. The cranes. No, I don't mean the birds. bird, Not the buried cranes. The cranes of the Army Corps of Engineers. Uh, still over there. Still working on the uh, pumps. I just feel safer seeing the cranes. I don't know about you. Anyway, from, from all of that, I'm Harry Shearer. Welcome you to this edition of the show. And now, that you know, only two errors so far, but who's counting? And now that music you heard a moment ago. It actually fits. It's time for me to read the trades for you. So what I'm gonna do, from Advertising Age. Wisecracking booger accosts travelers at JFK. Yeah, I'm going to read that for you. <laughs> Just to show how far this stuff goes. How far, down, how far up we've gone. Last month at John F. Kennedy Airport in New York City. Actually, it's in Long Island, but it serves New York City. A smart-mouthed snot ball, and at age uh, spelled snot with two T's, because that's how classy they are. A, a smart-mouthed snot ball accosted travelers as they made their way to their terminals. Mucinex along with its ad agency, McCann, New York, and health unit McCann Human Care, that's one word, brought their slimy mascot, Mr. Mucus, to life on a real-time billboard in which the character would crack wise at people who walked past. The life-size phlegm globule appeared on a digital display at the American Airlines terminal where he interacted with passers-by in real time, sneezing on them, joking about passing on the flu, and checking to see if any of his mates were hanging out in their noses. We've always had the ambition of giving our little booger more of a role in culture, to get him out of people's chests and out into the world says co-CCO of McCann, Tom Murphy. This seemed like a great way to do that. The brief from the client was simple, quote, let's make Mr. Mucus a cultural icon. And let's do it in a new and surprising way, said creative director Nick Howell. People want to interact with him because he's got a great voice. Oh well. And we've been able to bring him into modern times. Not that medieval, Booger. But bringing him to life was quite the technical challenge. Mr. M. Is that what he's calling? Uh, Apparently so. Oh, Mr. Mucus. Yeah. Mr. M was manned in real time behind the scenes by an actor who sounds and looks a lot like TJ Miller, the voice of Mr. Mucus in the TV spots. Ad Age doesn't explain why they didn't use TJ Miller. Me <laughs> I think they should have hired Ted Cruz. So, Mr. Mucus attempts to become a cultural icon, ladies and gentlemen. Cultural iconography apparently isn't what it used to be. Uh, An observation that occurs when I read the trades for you, copyrighted feature. Now to that story on legal marijuana, which I previewed. So cleverly, moments ago, you remember how I did that. It was it was good. Um, the legal marijuana may be doing, according to the Washington Post, at least uh, one thing that a de- the decades-long drug war couldn't: taking a bite out of Mexican drug cartels' profits. Remember, the people who who were pushing for legal marijuana always said this. You know, if you make it legal, you'll uh, get the uh, The drug smugglers out of the business or the business. Well, the latest data from the U.S. Border Patrol shows that last year, marijuana seizures along the southwest border. I mean, what they mean is seizures of marijuana, not seizures caused by marijuana. They tumbled to their lowest level in at least a decade. Agents snagged roughly a million and a half pounds of marijuana at the border down from a peak of nearly four million pounds in 2009. The data supports the many stories about the difficulties marijuana growers in Mexico are facing in light of the increased competition from the north. As domestic production has ramped up in places like California, Colorado, and Washington, marijuana prices have fallen, especially at the bulk level. Two or three years ago, a kilogram was worth $60 to $90, a Mexican marijuana grower said, but now they're paying us $30 to $40 a kilo. It's a big difference. If the U.S. continues to legalize pot, this Mexican grower said, they'll run us into the ground, unquote. It's not just price. Mexican growers are facing pressure on quality, too. The quality of marijuana produced in Mexico and the Caribbean is thought to be inferior to the marijuana produced in the United States or Canada. The DEA wrote last year in its drug threat assessment. Law enforcement reporting indicates Mexican cartels are attempting to produce higher quality marijuana to keep up with U.S. demand. Ain't that nutty? If the decline in border seizures is any indication, however, it appears Mexican growers are having difficulty competing with domestic production. Some federal authorities are beginning to believe this is the case, noting the decline in border seizures. This suggests, says um, the director of the Office of National Drug Control Policy, people using marijuana in the United States may be increasingly obtaining marijuana from domestic sources it's not the met recreational marijuana market in Colorado and Washington that's having the main effect experts say so much as the much larger and older medical marijuana market in many states primarily California just just a note that was the Washington Post quoting unnamed experts and uh, the late Abby Hoffman to find an expert as a fast-talking guy from out of town. That is your brain on the war on drugs. Now, News of the Godly. One-third of the sexual abuse cases involving the Dutch Catholic Church have been dealt with behind closed doors. According to a Dutch newspaper... In total, 342 of the 1,045 proven cases were dealt with outside the official complaints procedure. The amount of financial compensation paid to the victims was kept secret, the paper said. Basing its claim on church documents, the official committee set up to investigate the abuse claims had called for total transparency. What do they think this is? Scotch tape? Official? Do I have to explain what Scotch Tape was? Officially, 703 cases have been closed. Total compensation payments of 21 million euro. According to the newspapers, the secret cases involve further payments of another 10 million euro. Abuse victims who went through the secret procedure had to sign a contract pledging to keep quiet about their case. A non-disclosure agreement. Much like the ones Donald Trump's volunteers this week were reported to be made to sign a non-disclosure agreement to be a volunteer for Donald Trump and non-disparagement a lifetime non-disparagement clause as well anyway what are they working for fox anyway uh, the abuse victims had to sign this non-disclosure agreement and to refrain from making negative comments about the church a non-disparagement clause and the perpetrators couldn't make any comments about them in public either secret means secret you see spokesman for the catholic church in the netherlands told the newspaper victims were offered three options Mediation, a settlement, or salvation no, or the official procedure. Every victim made a choice and the level of secrecy depended on that, said the church spokesman. So, you know, blame the vic the victors. The Church of England is going to make far reaching changes in the way it deals with cases of sex abuse following the damning independent report that detailed how senior church figures failed to act upon repeated disclosures of a sadistic assault. The first independent review commissioned by the Church into its handling of a sex abuse case highlights the, quote, deeply disturbing, unquote, failure of those in senior positions to record or take action on the survivor's disclosures over a period of almost four decades. The Church acknowledged the report was, quote, embarrassing and uncomfortable, unquote. It's like they got a case of uh, prickly heat or something. The Guardian newspaper says, among those told of the abuse were three bishops, not in a bar, and a senior clergyman later ordained as a bishop. None of them are named. I told so many bishops, said the survivor. The review also criticizes the office of the Archbishop of Canterbury. That's uh, the Anglican version of the Pope. Oh, I know. I'm going (laughs) to get—he's the head of the church, head of the Anglican Church, Church of England, okay? For failing to respond meaningfully to repeated efforts by the survivor— last year, to bring his case to the church leader's attention. The the full 21-page report by safeguarding expert Ian Elliott, boy, they didn't tell me about that at career day at high school, safeguarding expert, has been seen by the newspaper, the C of E published only the conclusions and recommendations. Recommendations? The need for training for those who may receive abuse disclosures on keeping records and taking action. That would be good training. The, Archbishop, uh, sorry, the uh, Archbishop of Canterbury, head of the church, has made a personal commitment to seeing all the recommendations implemented quickly. He thinks the situation is embarrassing and uncomfortable for the church. The uh, case of Joe was uh, the key in this report. He, as a 15-year-old, was subjected to a sadistic assault in 1976 by a leading figure in the church. Garth Moore, the chancellor of three dioceses and vicar of St. Mary's Ab Church in the city of London. That's not a six-pack Ab Church. That's just he died in 1990, did Moore. Last October, the Church of England paid paid about $50,000 in compensation and apologized to Joe, saying the abuse reported was a matter of deep shame and regret. And it commissioned the independent review. Joe made disclosures about the abuse to dozens of people in the church, including senior members of the hierarchy over almost 40 years. None of the senior figures had any memory of such conversations. Lower level officials had clear recollections of his disclosures. Despite the seriousness of the disclosures, no records were kept by those Joe spoke to and no further action was taken. Almost as if it was a policy. In uh, the Philadelphia area, grand jury investigations into sexual abuse of children by clergy in Philly and Altoona concluded that in many cases, local law enforcement officials were in collusion with diocesan, diocesan officials. Staffers at the Pennsylvania Childline hotline couldn't even find out whether any action was taken by local police. We never knew what happened, said an official. In a recent 140-page report on abuses in the Diocese of Altoona and Johnstown, a grand jury concluded that local law enforcement officials from police to DAs were reluctant or flat-out unwilling to pursue criminal allegations of sex abuse against local parish priests. The investigation is ongoing. News of the godly, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And now news of AFTAC. Pakistan's former president, Perv Musharraf, has slipped out of the country. Did it this week, a couple days ago. In a move widely interpreted as a sign, the government has conceded defeat, the Pakistani government that is, at the hands of its all-powerful military establishment. The former army chief, who took power in a 1999 coup and was facing charges of treason, was finally removed from the country's exit control list, on Thursday, after almost three years of being banned from international travel, you know, like Dick Cheney. He'd been prevented from leaving since April of three years ago. Soon after, he returned from his self-imposed exile in London and became embroiled in a series of legal crises, including a historic government-initiated treason trial. He came back to Pakistan, by the way, saying he was going to run for president. So this didn't turn out that quite that way, that he'd been Banned from international travel for so long had been widely taken as a sign of the determination of the new Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif, his longtime opponent, guy he toppled in 1999's coup, to defy staunch opposition from the army and prosecute the man who ousted him. Of course, Musharraf was a, um, an army, high army official. The government relented from its travel ban because Musharraf had vowed to face all the cases against him and promised to return in four to six weeks from his flight to Dubai to seek medical attention. They don't got doctors in Pakistan? Not good ones, apparently. Not good enough. Musharraf's lawyer said he would come back after having surgery on his back that he said was not available in Pakistan. I could do it. I got the tools in my car, Mushi, if you wanted. Many doubted that would be the case, given the army would certainly not wish to see the return of the man who had become a key irritant in the sensitive relationship between the military and the government. This analysis from the guardian he was swiftly debarred from contesting any seats in a general election after he returned to the country so the whole the whole you know might as well have stayed in london really when he, when he stops to think about it i think he'll agree and more news of afpac the us military has disciplined more than a dozen service members in the case of that airstrike on um, a doctors without borders Hospital in Kunduz, Afghanistan. The strike killed 42 people last year. It was a major oops, supposedly. The Pentagon acknowledged the clinic was targeted by mistake. No personnel will face criminal charges. The the Associated Press reports that the sanctions against members of the military, both officers and enlisted personnel, um, were mostly administrative, formal reprimands, Others suspended from duty. The sanctions weren't made public. But no generals were punished. Doctors Without Borders won't comment until the Pentagon made the details public. The disciplinary action was the result of a Pentagon investigation into the attack. That report of that investigation may be made public this week. But in the meantime, yes, some low-level people got administrative punishment. That sounds familiar.
2: They always say a fish stinks from its head. But what if it started from the tail instead? It's just a few bad apples. Messing up the bunch
3: A few
2: bad apples Bringing up your lunch Just a few germs Can start a common cold Just a few cells Dying off Make you so very old It's just a few bad apples They're so rotten to the core A few bad apples, maybe several more Don't be angry, save the outrage, don't get
4: mad
2: It's just those few bad apples Not spending time in chapels Just those few apples going bad Top of that tree Cause the rotten fruit Is hanging So close to you and me Just a few drums Can start up A parade Just a few Defective oranges Can spoil A minute made Just a few Bad apples And it happens every time a few bad apples and those suspects are some i An answer, that's the simple May-
0: From New Orleans, this is Le Show. Ladies and gentlemen, a few weeks ago, this program presented a, um, the, the Found Objects Department of this program, as a matter of fact, presented a recording of off-air conversation between uh, the hosts of the television program Morning Joe and uh, presidential candidate Donald Trump. And it received some uh, attention nationally in uh, the American press. And some people said, well, but that's, that's just like the common kind of conversation that occurs between politicians and media interviewers. It didn't reflect any excessive chumminess, even though, as you may recall, um, the conversation was all about how Trump was doing, what he should do, what questions he might like to be asked, how he would answer them, so forth. So uh, the Found object Department now, shed some needed light on the subject by providing an off-air, con- recent off-air conversation between Hillary Clinton and MSNBC's Chris Matthews.
5: We have a progressive audience, obviously, and, but uh, nobody can tell what where people want to watch. Yeah, well, people must think they want to watch him. Mm, we laugh you know? at him. You see, Ben Carson said something about it that was interesting. Why, would, why did he support him? Because they've chatted, and they all they all a want check. a future. They want a future. Christie doesn't you have think anywhere. Christie's not going to be Corey Did he Booker. have a dad? Cory Booker is there. What? Corey Booker's not going anywhere. There's nowhere for Christie to go, unless Menendez has to go. I don't think he could win right now, do you? I'm not in New Jersey, no. I don't think he could win as a Senate candidate either. A Republican Senate candidate in New Jersey? Long time ago. This is such a I've great known story. Carson forever, and you I never—I've known him forever. How did, did you know him when he was at Johns Hopkins? Too? I knew him just. We, we used to We this traveled around the world group called the uh, Academy of Achievement, and it's all people like DNA guys who invented DNA, guys who did this. And, uh, you know, the guy climbed, <laughs> climbed uh, Mount Everest the first time, and the guy who had the first four minutes. It's an amazing group of people, and I'm in it, and I go around the world, Cape Town, Honolulu, everywhere. and So I got to know him and his wife. He was very soft-spoken, never yeah, said a thing. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden. I mean, he was a brilliant surgeon by all accounts. Yeah. It's a funny. He has a Tommy Smothers voice, though, which is kind of funny. It's very slow. Remember Tommy Smothers? <laughs> I That's do very why. well. Yeah. The Smothers brothers. I remember them. It's so funny when I talk about things like that with my staff that are so young. <laughs> try, try Sid Caesar. <laughs> okay, try Sid Caesar. Try Sid Caesar. I mean, Ed Sullivan. You know. So when's the endorsement? When's the president endorse? I bet you have a date. I think you have a date figured out. I know it's a useless question, so I won't put it to you. Somebody said, ask her when she's going to get endorsed. We don't know. So we're thirty. All right, thanks. I just
1: want to make sure that Andy, this is the end. This is the final segment, and you have to wear my work. Okay.
5: Is there a spray coming in?
1: What?
5: Are they coming in the press? Yeah, at the, at, at the end, apparently. You know me; I always wanna make the press happen. There's one thing you can do, I think Bill can do, which is this, who yes, gives you the big blues. He gives you for about a minute, and there's no one else in the world that exists but you. Chris, you know what they say in Africa? They say, I see you. People just want to be recognized. That had so many levels to it, so many angles. So many angles, I like thought, What does he mean by that? Yeah, I'm ready. It's so British, British can
0: do that. So that's sort of a a more normal conversation. Interesting to me, partly because of uh, Matthews bringing up Bill Clinton. Uh, Also interesting because um, at at one point there, uh, Hillary Clinton misheard Matthews. Matthews said that that, uh, Ben Carson uh, probably had a chat with Donald Trump about his future, Ben Carson endorsed Trump, and that we're talking about why that may have happened. And Hillary misheard him say, chat, she thought he said, check. And she pers- uh, persisted in that line of, uh, she said, uh, if you listen carefully, was he in debt? Did he need? So she thought it was about money. Chris Matthews was saying it was about political futures. Anyway, the found, ob- the found objects department does its job one more time. Uh, it, it is a copyright feature of this broadcast. We can't help that. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of the warm, won't you? Soft, listen
4: to the warm.
6: We can listen.
0: When carbon dioxide is stored underground in a process known as geological sequestration, you know, like the O.J. jury, it can find multiple escape pathways due to chemical reactions between carbon dioxide, water, rocks, and cement from abandoned wells, according to Penn State researchers. They investigated the properties of porous rocks into into which carbon dioxide is injected. They're known as host rocks. And in some cases, there'll be some guest host rocks, But they function like containers for the carbon dioxide. The team looked at two abundant host rocks, limestone and sandstone. They have different chemical properties. They're widely found underground. But there may have been concerns that carbon dioxide may escape once it's injected underground, said one of the researchers. And apparently the high acidity saltwater carbon dioxide mixture, uh, when it's injected, can dissolve certain types of rocks, such as limestone, as well as cement casings, unabandoned oil and gas wells. U.S. coastal areas occupied by more than 13 million people will be at risk of being completely swamped by the sea under a worst-case climate change scenario, new research predicts, potentially leading to a population upheaval comparable to the Great Migration of the 20th century in the United States. That was a good migration, wasn't it? No, it was a great migration. Population growth in coastal areas over the course of this century, particularly in vulnerable areas of Florida is likely to collide with the reality of rising seas caused by melting glaciers and thermal expansion as the planet warms. This is research led by the University of Georgia. It provided the first glimpse of how demographic changes in America will place greater numbers of people at the front line of sea level rises. In a severe scenario involving a six-foot rise in sea levels by 2100, fueled by the gradual collapse of the Antarctic ice sheets, a total of 13 million people would risk seeing their homes inundated. The projections are based on demographic changes in the U.S. population over the century, as well as areas forecast by NOAA as being at risk of inundation. Florida would bear the brunt, more than 6 million people affected by a 1.8-meter sea rise. In Miami alone, nearly 2 million people would either have to be protected or sent to Marco Rubio's house under this—no, displaced under this worst-case scenario. Other areas where significant numbers of people would be at risk include Long Island, New Orleans— Charleston, South Carolina, and San Mateo, California. Should these people need to move away from the coast rather than be protected by new sea defenses, the population movement would be on a scale similar to the Great Migration, the long-term shift of African Americans from southern to northern states during the 20th century. And you probably know already, global temperatures in February smashed previous monthly records by an unprecedented amount. According to NASA sparking warnings of a climate emergency. The result was, quote, a true shocker and yet another reminder of the incessant long-term rise in global temperature resulting from human-produced greenhouse gases, wrote two writers on Weather Underground. It confirms the preliminary analysis from earlier in March, indicating the record-breaking temperatures. Global record was set just one month earlier, in January. The temperatures have been spurred on by a very large El Nino but the temperature smashed record set during the last large Nino, which was at least as strong as the current one, says a researcher at Germany's Potsdam Institute of Climate Impact Research. This is really quite stru- stunning. It's completely unprecedented. Just wait. News of the warm, ladies and gentlemen. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast. <laughs> is the show a lot of listeners have um uh, said to me recently as spring approaches you know harry you don't really spend nearly enough time on the program talking about recreational boating we're going to try to rectify Re- really okay all right, then. Uh, we have a, uh, an incoming call on our newsmaker line, so uh, we'll postpone the recreational boating segment and uh, see who's on the line. Hello, you're on the air.
3: Yeah, hello. Uh, listen, recreational boating is something you know nothing about. I own the biggest yacht in the world. You, you're just going to bore your listeners. Uh, is,
0: is, is, is this Donald Trump? It's
3: not crazy Meg and Kelly. Uh, two plus <laughs> two, right? Listen... I, I called your show uh, a, a while back. Right. I'm back to the bottom of the barrel. Well. I've talked to everybody else. I need to talk to you. Okay. Because this uh, whole media thing about riots that I supposedly said, well, you, uh, we, uh, we have to clear it up because yeah. everybody needs to be nice. We love everybody, don't we? Right?
0: Believe me. Yeah. I, I do know, sir, that yeah. at the beginning of this week, you uh, fairly famously said that if the Republican convention deprived you of the nomination well, for president, even if you came into the convention with a plurality, not a majority that of would the be, delegate votes, that, that there would be riots. Yeah. And I think you said it a couple of times. Well, and yes, there's been uh a fairly major media outpouring as a result.
3: Well, that's the, but the you know the media outpour's about everything I do because that's how they get ratings. Think well, about it. Yeah. Don't be stupid. Oh. This is was a very simple thing. If we get a plurality or plurals or whatever you want to call it of the vote, mm-hmm. and we come into the convention and they say no, 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 we want our guy. We want the guy who's going to be uh, paying attention to the lobbyists because he's paid for and bought and thing then yeah there's going to be something and I said I did you I used the word riot everybody starts saying oh he oh he's talking about violence and he's talking about a crowd coming well, in and whatever yeah. and I have to say well. that there is a, a meaning to the word riot which nobody in the media even thought about or talked about it I want to point out that there are many many if you look at a dictionary and I own many of the best dictionaries in the world uh-huh. there are several ways of understanding the word riot I was talking to my present wife who the new one who used to be model mm-hmm. she said i don't i don't, Don, I don't understand this I, I was reading a magazine the other day she was in fashion she was a model and i uh, i was reading the other day they were talking about a riot of color a uh, riot of color uh-huh. what's wrong with that is that violent is that good that's not nice for people <laughs> a riot of color yeah i was watching a tv show the other night right it was uh, uh, there were ratings for the uh, comedy of, of the channel mm-hmm. and it was describing a show as a laugh riot, a laugh riot, riot. nobody got upset, nobody nope. protested, nobody said, oh, they're trying to kill people. Right. So there are many different kinds of riots, mm-hmm. and uh, everybody automatically assumed, because Donald Trump is saying it, it's got to be a, a violent riot. But, mm-hmm. of course, that's the media bias, which, of course, then gets them great ratings.
0: Well, we are not. We don't take any ratings here on the program. Well, that's so. because
3: you're stupid, because, because if you took a rating, you get zero, so why do you want to pay for well, that?
0: Well, in any case. <laughs> In any case, no, really. So you you're totally disavowing the use of the word riot to mean anything other than uh, a a gay display of floral beauty, nothing gay about it. Or a series of great jokes and great comedy um, Set pieces, that Well, I'm.
3: Yeah. I i do not I don't vow. I don't disavow. Mm. I don't any of that. Okay. That's not. I. I am here to make America great again. Oh, I've heard. Well, how does rioting help that? Well, That's not how you make America great. You do not make America great by rioting. Well, anybody will tell you that. Okay. I'll... So this was totally a misunderstanding of the misappropriation of the misuse of the word that I used very properly to say riot. Because, as I say, it can mean all these different things. Right. A, a riot can be a friendly riot. Mm-hmm. It can be, there was Quiet Riot, which was a great rock band we loved in the 70s, didn't we, or the 80s? The 80s. We loved them, yeah. didn't we? Yeah. They made great music and uh-huh. rock and roll, and yeah. everybody loved it. So uh, nobody said, oh, they're trying to kill people. No. So that's uh, my only point, mm-hmm. is to say, the use of the word riot by itself mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything more than anything that the person wants to put in his head. Okay, so, fair
0: enough. So let's just... Uh, Go back to the original comment that you were making I wish on we would. I think it was Morning Joe. Yeah. That if uh, there were, if you were denied the nomination in that particular circumstance Which uh, is not and you used the word riot. Yeah. So what are, what were you? What did you mean? What did you expect to happen if you didn't get the nomination under those circumstances? You know, what I'm were a, you trying to describe? I'm a great businessman. I've I
3: make deals. Heard, yeah. I don't make predictions. Mm-hmm. I, what I do is I look at the person sitting across the table from me and I decide this is the kind of deal we can make and I make the best deal possible and everybody knows that. That's, that's who I am. Well, so if I say there's going to be a riot, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I, Donald J. Trump, predicted that, that people are going to get hurt. That's not my business. If you If you want to go to Uh, somebody who does predict the future and then and then they say riot then you can go say okay he said there's going to be this and that's going to happen but i'm a businessman i make deals Mm -hmm. i make the best deals in the world okay if there's a a a deal to be made at the republican convention and they want to avoid a riot then i'll make that deal okay that will be the best deal they will be so happy
0: all right but 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 when you said if there there will be a riot what you just said it again what do you mean by that?
3: Look, some people I've heard say that Barack Obama is not born in this country. Mm-hmm. And so I tweeted that for a while. I remember and some that. people say that the, uh, uh, Ted Cruz isn't qualified to run for president. I, I you retweeted tweeted that. that. If I hear something, I'm going to repeat it mm-hmm. because that's what I hear and that's what I do. Okay. So if somebody said to me, mm-hmm. Mr. Trump, mm-hmm. there, there could be a riot if 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 this doesn't go your way, I I just repeated it. And I didn't mean anything by it. I meant a million things by it. I meant any of the different things that I've told you about. Mm -hmm. What I meant at the time is what I'm telling you now I didn't mean. Okay. So if there is a... Deal to be made mm-hmm. at the Republican convention that right. I'm, I'm obviously the best person to make that deal. Sure. I would make the best deal in the world, and everybody mm-hmm. be happy. Yeah. And we will make America great again, and there won't be any riots. That You wouldn't need a riot if America's great again. That makes sense.
0: Okay, and by the riot that we wouldn't have, you mean? The
3: thing that we wouldn't have because everybody is happy mm-hmm. because the country is great again, and we're winning. <laughs> we don't win anymore. I... You have a riot if you don't win. Mm-hmm. But if you win, there's no need for a riot. So a riot is a thing you have when you don't win, and we are going to win. We're going to win so much Mm -hmm. that you're going to get sick of winning, and you're going to say we should have a riot, but we're not going to have a riot because we're going to be winning.
0: All right, Donald uh, J. Trump, thank you very much for calling us on the newsmaker line today and clarifying that.
3: I really didn't to call you. I was trying to call Car Talk, but they tell me they're off the air now. So They
0: are indeed. So huh? thank you very much for uh, the ratings bump. Yeah, you
3: owe me, right?
0: <laughs> well, thanks for the call. We'll get to that recreational boating segment probably a few weeks from now.
3: Here on the Show. Oh, no, my friend.
6: They say the writings on. not see it till today Made such fools out of us all Took me a long time but now I see through every part you play Cause you're always a victim So goes your story Your pains and your words seem to be there at- Betty Davis on the stairs mm. The only one who sees The greedy face behind it all mm. Tea and sympathy But watch out when the hammer falls Cause you're always a victim So goes your story Your pain and your glories Seem to
0: And now, ladies and gentlemen, the Apologies of the Week.
2: We're so sorry.
0: The Cenotaph in London, a memorial to British war dead, will not be shown on Top Gear footage filmed over the weekend. The show has been criticized after host Matt LeBlanc and a professional driver performed donuts near the war memorial. Co-host Chris Evans apologized for the stunt and said he and the crew were mortified in a statement. The BBC apologized as well and said the cenotaph was never intended to appear in the program. Battle Creek-based Kellogg's this week apologized to customers over a video in which a man urinated into a Rice Krispies Treats production line. The incident recently surfaced in an Internet video. Kellogg takes the situation very seriously. We're shocked and disappointed, said the company president. While this behavior was disgusting and criminal, this type of situation is a food quality issue and does not present a food safety risk. Snap, crackle, and spluch. The Secret Service apologized Wednesday for denying Sinn Fein leader Jerry Adams' entry to a White House reception, blaming the mix up on an administrative error. Adams had been invited to attend St. Patrick's Day celebrations. When he arrived, staff informed him that there was an issue of security. This is an unacceptable development, Adams said. He's a prominent Catholic politician who helped broker peace in Northern Ireland, long been associated with the IRA, which had ties to Sinn Féin. Sinn Féin is now an opposition party in the Republic of
2: Ireland.
0: Deadline: Nara Okinawa, the head of U.S. Marines in Japan, apologized this week to Okinawa's governor for the alleged rape of a Japanese woman by an American sailor and ensured him the military will cooperate thoroughly with the investigation. Lieutenant General Lawrence Nicholson visited Governor Takeshi Onaga In response to the arrest of seaman apprentice Justin Castellanos, was assigned to Camp Schwab. Camp Schwab, ladies and gentlemen. Proud to say that. Police say Castellanos found the tourist intoxicated and asleep in a hotel hallway, took her into his room, and raped her between 1 and 4 a.m. A friend of the victim called police. I express my deepest regret and remorse at the incident, said the Marine Lieutenant General. Today I came here to represent 27,000 uniformed members. Allegation against the specific individual is a great shame and dishonor to us all. Onaga urged Nicholson to enforce stricter dis- discipline over U.S. service members.
4: Sorry, sorry, sorry.
0: Forever 21 has pulled a T-shirt from its online stores after customers criticized the shirt for bearing a pro-rape message. The T-shirt is still available on the Forever 21 website but has been marked sold out. It's a plain white shirt with the message, don't say maybe if you want to say no printed on it. Don't say and say no are crossed out so that the message, maybe if you want to, also stands on its own. Forever 21 issued an apology following a Twitter backlash. Forever 21 strives to exemplify the highest ethical standards and takes feedback and product concern very seriously. Upon receiving feedback from our customers, we took immediate action to have the T-shirt removed. We sincerely apologize to anyone who is offended by the product. Forever 21 is just the latest in a series of clothing retailers that have been forced to pull questionable items from stores due to backlash. Urban Outfitters Zara and Spanish retailer Mango all apologized and recalled different items that bore Nazi imagery in the past two years. Who knew... Dateline Jacksonville, Florida, two former executives for the Wounded Warrior Project spoke first for the first time publicly since they were fired from the organization after allegations of lavish spending and a culture of intimidation. The first thing I would say is, I'm not perfect. The organization is not perfect, said former Chief Executive Officer Stephen Nardisi. We clearly made mistakes along the way, I allowed the image to be used by the media to misrepresent who we are. I apologize personally for that. A Southwest by Southwest volunteer has been dismissed and festival organizers apologized after a Muslim U.S. Olympic fencer was asked to remove her headscarf in order to get a credential. And the popular conservative news website Breitbart News issued an apology after publishing a sarcastic story to announce that its editor's large editor at large's resignation over objections to the handling of a recent Donald Trump controversy in which Trump's campaign manager allegedly manhandled or womanhandled the reporter. And Hamilton County, Ohio, Sheriff Jim Neal, a Democrat, is calling his appearance Sunday at a Donald Trump rally a big mistake. And he apologized. He is a Democrat. Oh, and Madonna apologized for exposing a teen fan's breast on stage during her performance in um, Australia. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Oh, in the Motion Picture Academy, more than three weeks after the Oscars, the Academy's apologized for jokes that Chris Rock made about Asians while hosting the ceremony. Not agents. You can't make jokes about agents. And for good reason. And for good reasons. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this week's edition of The Show. The program returns next week at the same time over these same stations over NPR worldwide throughout Europe the U.S.N. 440 cable system in Japan around the world through facilities of the American Forces Network up and down the east coast of North America by the shortwave giant WBCQ the planet on the mighty 104 in Berlin on Soho Radio in London available for your oh around the world by the internet at two different locations live and archive whenever you want at harryshearer.com and kcsn.org available for your smartphone through stitcher.com available as a free podcast from SoundCloud Sideshow Network iTunes TuneIn Radio and wwno.org and it'd be just like Mr. is talking to you if you'd agree to join with me then would you alrighty thank you very much uh huh Tiffin Le Show, Chapeau to the San Diego Pittsburgh and Chicago in exile in Hawaii yes, thanks as always to Pam Halstead and to Thomas here at WWNO in New Orleans for help with today's broadcast the email address for this program playlist of the music heard here on your opportunity to get those cars I talk, t-shirts, they're flying off the shelves while well, it was just a big wind in the office. All available at harryshearer.com. And me, I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. Join the more than 120,000 people who somehow made the mistake of following me. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station for the Change is Easy radio network. So long from New Orleans. See you in the streets.